Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 32 of License to Car Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Gekiso Sentai Car Ranger. Every week, without fail, we watch an episode <laughs> of that show, and we talk about it with you, with the listeners. Uh, my name is Matt J. With me, as always, is my co-host and brother, Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Uh, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Uh, this is like a rare... This is like the... This is the lull that I have between Tech Week, which was last week, and Show Week, which is this upcoming week. Um, things are going to be pretty bonkers, but I got some time, and and here I am. Well, welcome back. Very yeah. excited to talk about this episode, Dave. Today, we are talking about episode 32. It is called RV Robo's Wrong Way Turn. Uh, it rules. Yeah, it does. Um, but of course, before we can talk about that, Dave, as always, shining in the heavens, there are five stars... Would you like to hear what our first star of the week is? Sure would. Dave, I have recently unlocked a powerful new technique. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's an exciting new thought technology, and I wanted to share it with you and our listeners. I will often at work, not all the time, but you know, it is, it is not uncommon for me to, at work, uh, order lunch in. Either I'll order lunch or someone else will order lunch and I'll sort of get in on the order... And there's a handful of places around me that we can order from with the various, like, you know, ride-share food delivery places. Yeah, no, that's that's legit. I got you. And, you know, like, you're in an office, you get together, you say, hey, what are we going to order for lunch? Well, I assume so. Uh, I've never worked in an office. But... Well, you know, it's, it, it, that is, that, that's classic office stuff. Right. That's not true. I worked in an office for three months, uh, eight years ago. I hated it. Uh, cool. Did you ever order lunch? No. Irrelevant then. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, so anyway, I was I was at work the other day, and I thought, man. And, and, and I just arrived to work. It was a Monday morning. I just arrived to work. Seems like a weird time to order lunch, but okay. Well, wait, wait for it. And I was like, and, and a couple of people were talking about various, like, food options. And I thought, oh my gosh. I don't like. I can just order food any time of day. I don't have to wait for lunch to order food, and I don't have to only order lunch food. It's nine a.m. I can order breakfast and have it delivered to the office. Brilliant! I feel like breakfast food. Does it travel well? Well, okay. Here's the thing. I feel as though it, it, it is. It is at risk I feel of like not the traveling. Is no, well. it is at risk of not traveling well. If it has to go very far. But as it happens, there is a like, slightly upscale diner that is down the street. Like, really, like... You you know. love, that's perfect. You love slightly upscale diners. Yeah, I even love slightly downscale diners, frankly. Um, yeah, I think we're just, di just diners themselves are great. Uh, and so I realized, like, oh my gosh. This place is, like, five minutes down the road. I can just... And so I ordered, like, Eggs Benedict with hash browns. And I had it delivered. It was, you know, like by the time the they had made the order and it got to me, it was like a, you know, half hour, 35 minutes later. Uh, but it was not half hour, 35 minutes old, of course. And so I just like take it and I it sort of comes in this sort of 
like delivery platter. And I just right. set it up like at my desk and w- and I got myself a cup of coffee and was just like drinking a cup of coffee and eating like fresh eggs Benedict and hash browns while going over my morning emails. And Dave, like it was such a good idea that I'm a little scared because now I'm worried that that's like going to worm its way into my routine. Oh, dude. Yeah, you've got to be real careful uh, when you figure out something like that. Because it's a perfect element. Like, it's perfect. It's amazing. Like, it's convenient. It's pleasant. It's delicious. It, like, works with your time schedule. Starts my day off on the right foot. Right. The only downside is that it costs you, like, 15 bucks. Uh, not quite. Uh, well, I mean, you know, like, whatever. <laughs> I mean, the other downside is that I should not be eating that much holiday sauce in my life. Well, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's a very real concern. But yeah, the only downside of these things is that, like, it costs you, like, twelve fifty or whatever every time you do it. And if you do it, like, every once in a while, like, you're cool. If you do it, like, once a week... Like, that's just, you've spent the end of the year, you spent $700 on Eggs Benedict. And listen, there are definitely worse things that you can spend $700 on, but there are also many better things that you could spend $700 on. <laughs> I, th- I feel like that's sort of right in the middle, if I'm being honest. Um, But only because there are so many things in the world. But there's, yeah, there are. The world is full of amazing things. But dude, that's, yeah, that sounds killer. That is a... That's just, like that's not a thing for like that would not work in my universe. Um I, I imagine that it would like ever all the other coworkers who walked by me were like, oh my gosh. What what have you done? This is an amazing idea. Um and that was great. Although, okay, the people who were not already in on the decision making uh process were like that. I, I did get like some encouragement and uh prodding from my immediately surrounding like uh office mates but yeah, everyone, no, no, no this makes sense like I they all see... wanted to, like they didn't necessarily want to do it themselves but they wanted to see it happen but like this everybody is... else who walked past was like what what is this magical thing that you've done no can you imagine like i would have i would assume that you were some sort of well, man, I was about to say I would assume that you were some sort of king and I wouldn't be too far off. Like, if you just roll by, like, what a hard double take you would have to do. If you're just, like, walking on your way to, like, the coffee machine and you just see some dude, like, chilling with Eggs Benedict. <laughs> the only version of that that would be better is if you had had the forethought to, to have, a like, a real plate and, like, utensils and had transferred it off of the to-go stuff. And we're just eating, <laughs> just like full-on brunch. If you could somehow get a mimosa in there, I mean, just... I could, I could put orange juice in a goblet I, or a, a champagne flute. I don't know the the champagne would be a little tricky at nine a.m. at the office. Man, I don't know. You work at a fun office. That's true. It's not quite that fun, but yeah, I can imagine that if you did that and like coworkers walking by and doing a double take is one thing. A room full of students, on the other hand, that's yeah, be it would be it would be difficult to deliver like a lecture on metaphors if if you were like also simultaneously like knocking down some like a quick eggs Benny. So, 
anyway, Dave, what is our second star of the week? So our second star of the week, Matt, is uh, two weeks ago, which is why we had a guest episode and then I maybe another one. I don't know, guys. Uh, this time of the year for me is just real bonkers. Anyways... Uh, I was on my way back from New Jersey, which is where I was, and uh, and oftentimes, Matt, when I'm on the road, I you know you see wild stuff. We've had a number of stars about this, and you see wild stuff, and so I'll, like I'll take a quick note in my phone about like the thing that I have seen, so I remember to talk about it. That's what notes are. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So I follow you I, so far. Yeah, so I. So you were you were coming back from New Jersey, which is where you were, and you which took is where I was, and you took notes, which is writing something down so you could reference it later, which is what I know. Yes, is. yeah, okay. we are dead on so far, and so I open up my little my document, my little note document that I keep, and the document contains one word, and that word is cheesequake. Right on, and uh, but I. I didn't write down any context. Uh, do, and, do you need context? I could happily well, provide some. here's the thing. Yeah, I kind of desperately do need context. Because what must have happened is I saw the word cheesequake and like whatever it was appended to, I thought to myself, that is such an insane phrase that surely I will remember what I need to remember to discuss this thing. And then that didn't happen, but I did write down the word cheesequake. Uh, Dave, I'm going to go off the dome here, so I might be a little wrong. Pretty sure that cheesequake is a Dairy Queen blizzard with bits of cheesecake in it. Okay, listen. I think Which, you're by right. the way, is delicious if I am remembering I, correctly. I think you are right. However, it was not that. Because I remember thinking, like, Cheesequake... Like, here's the thought process that I've had leading into this. Like, what could Cheesequake possibly mean? And then I remember the thing about Dairy Queen. And then I remembered that that wasn't it. Because I know what the sign looked like. And it was just, like, a yellow sign with plain black lettering. And there was some other stuff on it. But the predominant word in, like, six-foot-high letters was Cheesequake. Interesting. Yeah. So it could have been... And I... Sort of want to look it up, but I sort of don't. I sort of I, want to just let that mystery exist in my universe. As to what cheesequake, it could be a dish at a local restaurant. It could be the name of a city, because names of cities in America don't mean anything ever. Not ever, but they often don't often. mean anything. Like, there's a city in Cleveland, in and around Cleveland. We talked about this briefly. The city is called Medina. It is spelled the same way as the very famous city in the Middle East, Medina. There's a bunch of cities in and around Ohio and anywhere you care to go that are named after places. There's like a, there's my wife spent time uh, in a city called Delhi, New York. That's just Delhi. There's a Calcutta, Ohio. Uh, there's, there's a, a Delhi, Ohio. There's there's a Cairo, Illinois, I believe, yeah, which is there's spelled a Cairo, Cairo, Illinois. Yeah. There's a, there's a Dubois, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Did I ever tell you? I think I may have told you this before. You know why those cities have those crazy names? Uh, no. Literally, the people who made the cities just opened up an atlas and were like, "That seems cool and exotic. Let's call this city Mecca." <laughs> and like, Perfect. that's it. Yeah, it's insane. So, like, it could be the name of a city. It could be the name of a, a park. It could be the name of a cheese-oriented super dish at a local restaurant. I have no idea. 
if you happen to know Cheesequake, uh, I don't know. I guess let us know. That feels that feels okay to me. Looking it up seems lame, but but having someone tell us seems good. What, Matt, is our third star of the week? Dave, third star of the week is a video game that I have been playing on the Nintendo Switch. Okay, cool. Uh, it is it is not a game that was originally on the Switch. It came out last year on like PC. If you had like Steam. But I never play video games on my computer because I don't like sitting at my computer desk. Yeah. Uh, and the Switch is a lovely thing to play video games on. Dave, the game is Return of the Obra Din. I have heard about this game, but I do not know anything about it. Okay, Dave. I say, uh, uh, no, I know that the Obra Din is a boat. Yes. It's uh, like a creepy boat. That's kind of what I vaguely remember. Yes. But it's a real one. It's like a real creepy boat, right? That I have no idea about. Uh, I, all I know of it is Creepy Boat from Game. This is Creepy Boat Game. Uh, Creepy Boat Game is good. Here's how it works, Dave. You are a... Okay, so the, the, the premise of the game is that in 1805, the Oprah Dam goes out to sea. And there are people on board, and they have, like, an expedition. And then in 1807, the Oprah Dam returns with no one on board. It just, uh, like... It is not... Sorry, it is not a real boat. Okay. Uh, given the events of the game, I would be very surprised if these things really happened. Well, you know, there are a number of stories about, like, creepy boats. Dave, this boat real creepy, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so, the, the, the game is that this, this boat arrives back in harbor with no one on it, and you are an insurance adjuster, and you need to figure out what happened to everyone on board... The, and here are the tools that you have to do it. Like, in detail, I assume, in right? Detail, Not yes. just, like, they're dead. Right. Oh, yeah. Because, like, everyone's either dead or gone. You can figure that out, like, just oh. by looking at the boat, because there's nobody on it. So, you get on the boat, and you, you have two tools. You have a book, which is, like, it contains the uh, the full, like, manifest of everyone who was on board. So, it has, like, their name... Their um, like position on the boat and their nationality, position like not like if they're like, like their job on the boat. Yeah, like are they? Are you the captain? Are you the first mate? Got are it. You, yeah, uh, yeah. Are you a like a, a rigging guy? Are you a passenger? Stuff like that. Right. No, they just I just just clarifying not position like you were on the poop deck or whatever. Right. Uh, there's a map of the boat in the book, and then there are like a couple of sketches that were drawn by an artist who was on board. Of, like, one or two scenes that occurred during their time at sea. Got it. Right? And that is one tool that you have, is this book. The other tool that you have is a stopwatch. Is a magical stopwatch that when you find a dead body, you click the stopwatch, and it and you get to, like, witness the last few moments of that person's life. Okay, that's creepy and weird. It's is very there, creepy and it, very it's weird. Just real quickly, is there any explanation as to why an insurance adjuster has this thing? Uh, it was given to you, it, it, it is given to you in like the beginning of the game. It's in a box with a note. But like given to you by the person who said, go find out what happened on this boat. Okay, got it. Who was himself, I think, somebody who escaped from the boat. Oh, okay, got it. Okay, yeah, okay, cool. So it was like the ship's surgeon or something. Uh, so, what happens is you click the stopwatch, you hear, like, a three or five second, like, clip of audio of, like, people shouting or talking or whatever. You see those words, like, written on the screen, like, you know, like, white letters on a black background. 
Mm -hmm. And then in the moment that the person dies, you switch into a vision, like a you go into the moment that it happens, right? So let me let me oh, give cool. you let, okay. me, let me give you an example of what this looks like. You get on the boat, you find a skeleton, you click the stopwatch. Uh, this is like the first thing that happens in the game, so this isn't really a spoiler. You click the stopwatch and you hear an argument between two people. One person says, like, hey captain, come out here, you've got a lot to answer for, blah blah blah. Another voice, presumably the captain, says like you know, shouts back at the person. Kicks, you hear him shout back at the person, kick open his door, and fire a gun. In that moment, it cuts to a scene where you see... In, oh, and the game is like a like a third person... Like a first-person game, like a 3D first-person game. But it's all like kind of sketchy and black and white looking. Okay, cool. So whenever you go into these scenes, it is a freeze frame of like a fully realized three-dimensional scene that you are like standing in the middle of. Oh, that's but, rad. But everything is paused. So... Like, you you go into the scene, and you see, like, a guy on one side of the door who is firing a pistol, a guy outside that door who is being shot by that pistol, and you can look around and be like, okay, well, I heard these two guys shouting. I know that one of them is the captain, and the captain was in his quarters, so I know that that guy is the captain. And now, I don't know who his, this victim is. But I know that what happened to him is that the captain shot him with a pistol. And so you write those things down. Got it. And then eventually, you need to figure out, like, who that, like, what that person's name was, how they died, and who killed them. And you need to do that for, like, everybody on board. So it's this big, oh, like, puzzle. Well, wait, how many, well, how Dave, many people are there? Here's the thing, Dave. There are 60 people on board. <laughs> um, and so, like, it's the whole game is this big puzzle where you're, like unfolding this mystery but it's all going like out of order and you're only getting snippets of it and you're like the things that you're hearing and the things that you're seeing are like you don't hear the words and see the people do the things you hear the words and then go into a freeze frame so you have to be like okay okay, i heard which one of these is yeah like i heard two people talking i i know i heard one of them mention a name but there's four people standing here and i don't know who that person is and so it's this whole thing where, like, and everything's being told out of order because you're kind of, like, running right, back through these memories. because you're just sort of grabbing memories. bits and pieces. And so I get through, I, I of the 60 people, oh, and every time you get, like, three people, like, fully correct, the game confirms that for you so you can, like, cross them off your list. Oh, okay. Got it. So you're not flying, like, completely blind, but you are flying blind for, like, sections. So I get like 12 people figured out after playing for like a whole night. I'm like, okay, I got 12 people figured out doing well, doing real good. And then I realize after figuring out those 12 people that I have now at this point in the game seen all of the available memories. Oh, so oh. all of the other people, I just need to go back and figure it out based on what I've already seen. So like the game goes extremely deep and I am not that far into it, but it's very cool. Well, that sounds rad, dude. It comes highly recommended. Uh, anyway, Dave, that took a very long time to describe because it's a weird video game. What's our fourth star of the week? So, man, our fourth star of the week is the other day. I had a few minutes. I was at work. I was, like, eating some lunch. I was like, oh, let me, like, hop on YouTube. Questionable decision, but go for it. No, no, no. YouTube is great. YouTube is, sorry, I, I curate my YouTube experience very carefully. 
Ah, okay. And so, yeah. And so, like, I've basically, I've given the the beast that is YouTube enough sacrifices that it is, like, content with me. And so it only gives me the things that I like back. Um, right on. So anyways, like, I do not really intersect with YouTubers at all. You know. So anyways, uh, but one of the channels that I do really like is called Great Big Story. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, no, I am... I, okay, real quick. As you may be able to guess from my previous statement, not a big YouTube guy. Yeah, so uh, Great Big Story is... It's documentaries, but they're like mini documentaries. These are between like five and... Like three and eight minutes long. Okay. Right? Like, hey, here's a neat blurb about a thing... We, you might be interested in it, and then that's kind of it, because like you have to get back to work, right? It's great. And so one of the episodes is about like collectors, like people who collect things. Cool. And like, but like weird collections, right? Like a guy has the world's biggest collection of milk bottles, and you know, okay. another guy has a collection of like whatever, right? Well, one of the guys has a collection, like an extensive collection. Uh, vintage washing machines. Okay. Seems like a weird one. I mean, I just didn't know where you'd find the space for them all, but sure. Well, uh, his basement is full of washing machines. Like, there's nothing else in it, just a whole bunch of washing machines. Great. And not all, okay, not only is, does he have a collection, there's like a, a club of which he is either the member or the president, I don't know. Is this a and, national uh, club or a local club? I've got to well, know the answer You know, to this. it wasn't clear, Matt. But the point is, is that there were a number of other dudes in the basement for the filming of this, like, with the washing machines. Okay. Okay. And then... Are they labeled? Is it like a museum? No, just in this dude's... In this dude's basement. Just a bunch of washing machines. So then, you know, there's the interviewer. There's like a, like a sort of voiceover interviewer. And like, you know, well, it's like, what do you, do you just kind of have them? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, I run them. And you see, and he does run the machine, but he's taken the lid off. Okay. okay. And so you can see the mechanism of it, like, working. And it's, like, frothing and foaming and, like, throwing sort of, like, sudsy water everywhere like it is in fact making a rather large mess because he hasn't replaced the lid with like a clear plexiglass lid he's no, just no, no. taken the lid off he's just taken the lid off and the fact that you could definitely replace it with something clear makes me think that this is part of it and this so all of this is weird right yes and then and then the guy just ramps the weirdness up with the following phrase. Can't wait he to hear says, this. He says, a lot of people think this, but I promise this isn't a sex thing. Or like something in that vein. Okay, so what that means is... It's, yeah, it's definitely a sex thing. Or it's even like if he just said... Because, like, yeah, first of all, if you say this isn't a sex thing, it's very obviously a sex thing. Right. Or second of all, 
Especially if, if, you, if you, especially if no one is asking that question. Right, like nobody rolled up and was like, this is a sex thing, is it? He was like, no, I just dig old washing machines. Like he volunteered that this is not a sex thing. So, you know, again. And then the second thing is like, all right, my dude, if I assume that you're telling the truth, which I don't, but if I were to assume that you're telling the truth, you just made it even weirder. Because if it were a sex thing, it would just be like, oh, everybody's got their thing. Sure. This is your thing. Like, it, sure, buddy. It involves like, antique mechanical things, but, you know, whatever. Yeah, like, whose right, thing bud? doesn't like, involve whatever. antique mechanical things? Sure, like, that. that's just your thing. But it's, and like, I can, ex- I could accept that. As soon as you say, it's not a sex thing, I just like to throw sudsy water all over my basement. I'm like, what? Okay. Man, well, then what is it? Right. What is it then? Because you haven't answered any questions, is what you right. haven't done. <laughs> all you've introduced is a new and horrifying question. <laughs> so, anyways. Uh, this do your dude and his washing machines was the fourth star of the week. Matt, what is the fifth star of the week? Uh, Dave, fifth star of the week is, I mentioned it in passing, and I I guess we've actually been talking for a while, so I'm only going to mention it in passing again here. Um, but there's a new wrestling television program on Wednesday nights. Oh yeah, um, AEW, AEW Dynamite. It's on TNT. Uh, Dave, it's very good so far. Don't want to talk about that. Here's what I want to talk about is that I don't have cable TV at home, so the only way that I can watch TNT live on a Wednesday night is to go somewhere where cable TV is, which is a bar with TVs. I mean, there are other places with cable TV, but that's where I go. Yeah, I was going to say, loads of places have cable TVs. Nope, one place. Um, so the here is the thing, is I go to the bar, and there's a couple other people who go to that bar who also like wrestling, and so we say, cool. and so we say hey... Around 8 o'clock, could you turn on TNT? They turn it on about a half hour early, so you see like the last 20 minutes of Suicide Squad or something. And then AEW starts. But the thing is, that it's, you know, it's nighttime at a bar. There are a handful of people who are there. Right, and they are not there there to watch AEW Dynamite. I would say that most of the people are not there to watch Dynamite. But when wrestling is on the TV... You get to, like, it's a very interesting social experiment to look around the room and see the effect that it has on people. Because you get some people who are like, oh man, wrestling? Wrestling's stupid. Wrestling hasn't been good since I watched wrestling when I was 10 years old, and these guys aren't Bret Hart, so obviously this is stupid. And then, But in their defense, none of those dudes are Bret Hart. I mean, no, but one of them's literally Chris Jericho. Okay. So, but then, like, you'll look back at that same guy 20 minutes later, and he's like, this is still so stupid. I can't, oh, wow, that was a great cool backflip thing. Anyway, this is dumb. If that guy was Razor Ramon, I'd be really into it. Oh, boy, did you just see what that guy did? Anyway, this sucks. Like, they're <laughs> really getting into it, but, like, cannot let themselves admit that they're getting into it. Um, also, you get the people who you did not know were wrestling fans, but then, like, walk in, and they're like, oh... I did not know that this is something that we shared in common. Um, and that is a like a fun new thing to talk about with you. And then you get the people who are just mad. Like, 
just straight up angry for like just for being confronted with the idea of professional wrestling. They're like, oh well, I mean, this is obviously like they, these are the people who have the initial reaction of the other people, but they don't come around to it later. They just get mad at it be, because I think that they like there are some people who never got over the initial shock of realizing that wrestling isn't like legitimate combat sports. <laughs> and they're like, well, I mean, come on, it's so fake. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, that guy did just do like a double backflip onto that other guy from like the top rope onto like the f- floor next to the stage and they fell through a table. Like, like that did definitely like, happen. Two- and also like, did Papa Shango not clue you in? Right. Like the, the undertaker was a zombie he wasn't supposed to be a real zombie. <laughs> Did you think that he was a real zombie? That must have been that must have been rough for you, my man. Right, like so, like the people who just are so angry and feel like intellectually superior. And let me tell you, like I know some of these people. Some of them are smart people. Some of them are not the sort of people who I would generally consider in my intellectual superiors. But they just and that's that was a that was a mean thing for me to say. I'm just trying to set the scene here. I'm not watching right. wrestling with a bunch of like college professors. Right, right. You are. You're, yes, I got you. Anyway, it's just a wild thing to watch wrestling with people who don't watch wrestling. Is all I'm saying, and I recommend that you do it sometime. Also, I recommend that you watch wrestling sometime. It's very fun, and I'm sorry if I was mean in that statement a little bit. Now I feel badly about it, Dave. So it's time to move on. Hey! Uh, we are going to watch episode 32 of uh, Kekiso Sentai Car Ranger. It is called RV Robo's Wrong Way Turn. It was written by Yoshio Urasawa. Its original air date was October 4th, 1996. And we will be right back. All right, welcome back. So, we've just watched episode 32 of Kekiso Sentai Car Ranger. And it was fun. I thought I was going to have a better lead-in than that, Dave, I'm going to be honest. Yeah, uh, it doesn't lend itself to a great lead-in, but it was just like a really, really good episode. Um, So we start off, and I feel like a lot of episodes recently have started off with this shot, which is Kyosuke on the roof of Pegasus Motors doing something. I feel like oftentimes singing. Tell you what. Which is what he's... Kyosuke's got a good voice. Yeah, not bad, man. Uh, so he's singing a song, and he always sings songs about cars, which makes sense. And he's singing a song about, like, oh, let's go for a ride. We'll drive in a convertible, even though it's cloudy, and you know, whatever else. And then Yuko comes out, and she's like, hey, it's tea time. Cool. Uh, I, just as a brief aside, I feel like the fact that we in America do not have, like, an afternoon tea thing... That this is not, like, part of our culture is a real bummer. I mean, be the change you want to see in the world, dude. Well, here's the thing. I would be, Matt, except oftentimes my workday is over. So, like, I kind of do in that I come home from work and I have a snack. But my workday is over, like, at that time. And again, as we discussed as per uh, breakfast, my, like, my job is just not one that lends itself to, like, stopping for a snack. Sure, I mean, but listen, if you are already out of work by the time that we should be having afternoon tea, then you are then you have all the free time in the world to go out and crusade for such a thing. 
Okay, well, Matt, you make a good point. I should start an Instagram. That's how you get things done. Yeah, yeah, become an influencer. These days, right? I'll be a tea, inf- tea time influencer. Anyways. An, in, an, in, an infuser influencer? Hey, an infuser? Now I sound like a weird wizard. Um, also, Honestly, I won't do that. <laughs> like turning into a weird tea wizard? Not the worst career move. Good point. Um, also, I won't be doing that because Instagram is the worst thing in the world. Anyway, you say that as someone who likes YouTube. I, I do. That's true. Um, so anyways, VR, they're like, where's VRV Master? Like, let's get him for tea. Oh, no. He's not here. Yeah. Uh, Kyosuke goes into, like, the secret base part of the garage, looks for him. Dapu is still asleep in the chair. It does make me wonder because Dapu at no point in this episode gets up. Like, did they bother putting the guy in the Dapu suit and putting him there? Or did they just lie the Dapu suit down in the chair? I... I hope that there's a person in it. Me too. Oh, listen. Me too. Well, I just... Because otherwise, that would imply that, like, the suit... Like, I guess they could have packed it full of something. But you only see him on screen for, like, 30 seconds. That seems like a lot of weird effort. So... They're looking around, and they, they can't find it, but they do find a tape. And it legit, Matt, it legit took me like half a second to realize what Kyosuke was holding up. Because he's holding up like an old VHS tape. Book. Yeah, it's like, because it's from 1996. And so, <laughs> so he, he plays this tape, and it's VRV Master. And he says... Uh, I'm leaving because the sunsets on your planet are too bright. Which is a statement that has never made sense to me, but at least he's been consistent about it. Yeah. So he says, the sunsets are too bright. I'm out of here. P.S. I'm leaving Vic Trailer and all of the VRV machines. Uh, Oh, P.P.S., your ability to get RV Robo back from the Bozoak is entirely dependent on, what is it, the Red Racer's awareness as the leader of the Car Ranger. Anyway, I'm out of here. Like, wow, 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 Lone Wolf of the Universe out. Yeah. So, Kyosuke just looks at this and is just flat paralyzed like he can't he just is like that's too much responsibility and cannot do any like he is he is frozen in like existential terror right like, about the concept that now with vrv master gone and dapu hibernating and signal man he, gone right and signal man he does in fact have to be the leader of the car Rangers. so like he manages to like kind of stiffly shamble out to where people are having tea and they're like, hey, uh, what is wrong, my man? And he and he just straight up, like, freezes in place and falls over. <laughs> so we go from there up to the BB Saloon. And Zelmoda is sort of swaggering around. And he's like, all right, jerks. Now that Instructor Richie Richie Hiker is dead, I, Zelmoda, am in charge. And at this, Which makes sense. And at this moment, I thought, wait, hang on. <laughs> Because I did not realize that Instructor Richie Richie Hiker had been killed. 
I assumed he was going to come back. Right. Apparently not. Or Zalmoda's just wrong, but I don't think so. I think dude's just gone now, Uh, which is kind of a wild twist. And so Zalmoda's like, all right, Jerk's like, I'm in charge. And then Grotch starts to kind of try to say that he's in charge, which obviously will never be true. But thankfully, at this moment, our hero, not actually, but a little bit, President Gynamo comes back. And he's like, actually, jerks. And he sort of like grabs them and like knocks their heads together. He's like, I'm in charge again. And now we're going to be rougher, tougher, stronger. Like the Bozoak are getting back to basics. Yeah, like you guys tried to get too smart while I was away. And that was bad. So now we're going to get dumb and tough again. (laughs) I I am so into this version. I love President Gynamo. And I think this is amazing logic. He's like... He's like, things were actually going fairly well at the beginning. I doubted myself. I hired in this smarty pants guy. He overthrew the gang, and now he's dead. Clearly, the problem is is that we we tried to be smarty pants. We just need to be the reckless driving tribe Bozoke, and everything's going to work out. Yeah, so everyone so, immediately falls back into, like, in line underneath him. Um, and they're getting ready to, like, you know, start being rough, tough dudes again. When suddenly, Zanette collapses in pain and anguish. Mental and emotional pain, not physical pain. And Gynamo runs over to her and says, like, oh my gosh, Zanette, what's wrong? How, like, what, what can I do to help you? You know, just sort of, like, fawning over her. And she says, oh my gosh, I just, now that we're back on Barbarian... I I I miss the I miss the cucumber kimchi from that Korean barbecue place we went to a couple episodes ago so much. I don't know if I can go on without it. And we get like a I little mean, flashback of her eating it and honestly, like I get it. That looks great. Dude, kim- cucumber kimchi is so good. So, President Gaiden was like, "Well, cool. Uh that's as my first act as returning president of the Bozoak. Um, I will send down the number one Bozoak uh, kimchi lover, and he'll go get it for you because, of course, they have one. Ah, uh, yes, the uh, dude, I love, lo- like, I okay, I, I love Sentai monsters, and I particularly love the Bozoak because they always lead in with like, I like. Uh, the thing I dig about it, I think, is that a lot of other monsters are, like, created, like, in the moment, right? This, like, these dudes all exist already, and they already have a role, and everybody knows what it is. Like, oh, man, do you need someone to love kimchi for you? You gotta get a hold of ZZ Guri. He's our best dude at loving kimchi. Right, he was, he was your go-to guy on all kimchi-loving-related missions. So, they send ZZ Giri down to Earth. The first person he runs into is, you guessed it. I'll give you a second to actually guess it. It's Ichitaru. Yes, you got it right. Great job, listener. Uh, because, of course, it's Ichitaru. So, he lands, and he does, like, a Bozoak monster move. And he's like, take me to Kimchi. And Ichitaru is so not phased by this. 
He just sees him and he's like, yeah, sure. This is a thing that happens. And he just like does a goofball salute back and is like, come on, like, let's go. I mean, if you're Ichitaru, this is a thing that happens constantly. No, here's the thing that I love about it. He doesn't, like, he doesn't run away. Like, he knows that this is a monster. And he's like, well, I can't fight the monster. Like, that's clearly been demonstrated. So I will just play along until the car rangers inevitably show up and destroy this fool. But, like, until then, like, I'm just along for the ride. Sure, weirdo, let's go get some kimchi. This might as well happen. And also, like, half the time, the first half of a Bozok plan is not actually dangerous to the people around them. Right? Like, the time that that Bozok just came down and did all the homework for all the students in town, like, that eventually became a problem. But for the first, like, couple hours of hanging out with that Bozok, Ichitaro was fine. And I think at this point, he's like, listen, I'm just gonna roll. By the time it becomes a problem, the car rangers will be there. <laughs> right. So, uh, we go back to Pegasus Motors and Kyosuke is getting, like, a full-body Swedish massage from the remainder of the Rangers. They're just trying to, like, and... rub some life back into his limbs because he's still... He got, like, he got too excited and then too nervous and it just, like, shorted out his system. Yeah, and he says this. He's like, how could VRV Master do this to me? He knows I get paralyzed when I get too energetic. Uh, there is a great bit. Everyone is trying to, like, you know, they're just, like, rubbing his arms and legs. But uh, Minoru is just headbutting him in the thigh. <laughs> I missed that. That's, That's very great. good. Um, so he he jumps up, and there is a there is a total change for Kyosuke. He is he is hyper energetic now because the, the, the Bozo like, alert goes off. Oh, that's right! And he's like, "Responsibility! I gotta do it!" And he just books it. Does not wait for the other Rangers. So they go from there. Uh, they go to the kimchi place. Ichitaro just drops them off. He's like, "Well, here it is. See you later." And Zizi Guri is like, "Okay, yeah, thanks for thanks for walking me over, small child." So he's about to just like monster tromp into this place, although it's not clear that he's gonna do like monster stuff. No, he doesn't. He might literally just be there to buy some kimchi. Yeah, I don't think he's not walk like if he is walking in in a threatening manner. It's just because his natural like walking gait is threatening looking because he's a monster. He's not saying like, "Come on out there with all your kimchi, or I'm gonna burn your place to the ground." He's just there to buy some cucumber kimchi. Uh, so Kyosuke arrives and he just, I think he just yells leader. Yes. And he's like yelling his like, like, yes, I'm the red racer. Like all of this stuff that he yells normally after he henshins, he's doing that like as he's running up to him. Like he's not really stopping to like pause and do his pose. And he just like dive tackles Giri. Uh, and then the other rangers show up. They're like, dude, where did you go? Uh, Zelmoda arrives, drops off a bunch of Wumpers, and then we get a Wumper fight. And it's really great. It's fantastic. We're actually going to talk about it. We don't normally talk about the Wumper fights anymore. Uh, because what's amazing about it is everybody else is, is fighting. Like they, like you do, right? And they're doing fine. Like these are Wumpers... 
This is episode 32. At this point, they don't really pose any threat. So, the you know, the, the, the car rangers is beating them up. Right. And they each start to do, like, a fun thing. And right before they finish it, Red, like, kill steals. Like, he just jumps in at the end and finishes their special move for them. <laughs> and he's like, I'm the leader. You're safe now. Is everything okay? And they're like... Yes, we were like fine. Was, what are you doing? It was good. Uh, I think it's Minoru pulls out his auto and he's like, Car Ranger auto. And then Red jumps in and yells, Punisher! And shoots a bunch of bumpers. And Minoru actually stops. It's like, I was going to I was gonna say Punisher. Like, I, I, like, was, I was going to say I it. I was going to do it. I was about to shoot those guys. Come on, man. <laughs> so then um, Zizi Guri, like, because they're distracted with the Wumpers, right? Zizi Guri uh, tromps back over to the restaurant because he's still there to get kimchi. And before he walks in, the owner runs out and is like, no, 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 stop. I know, I know you're here for kimchi. I can just tell that by looking at you somehow. I know you're here for kimchi. Guess what, dog? This is Japan, and it's not that we don't have good kimchi here. We do, but if you really want kimchi... Right, if you came all the way here from space, like, check it out, my man. South Korea is, like, right over there. and he, It's so close. And he runs back inside and comes back out with a globe. He's like, we're here. It's just right there. Go over there and get the kimchi. It seems insane to me, I, and I just realized this. This means that Zizi does not know, does not know where Kimchi is from. Okay, this is one of those great Car Ranger moments that we have run into a few times before, where like, okay, Zizi is the Kimchi loving Bozok, but he has never heard of Korea. So, does that mean that like? Kimchi is something that exists all over the universe, and on Earth it is from Korea, but in, like, you know, on other planets it is from different places, and it is just one of those, like, naturally occurring, or not naturally occurring, but like, you know, one of, it's like parallel thinking, like, but across the entire galaxy, where on every planet at some point someone says, oh dude, you've gotta try this weird cabbage thing I did. Man, okay, that would make sense. Now, the only other thing I can think of is that he does know where kimchi comes from, but was originally sent down to get, like, this specific kimchi. And in his being convinced by the owner, like, oh, no, no, like, this one isn't even the best one. Like, you, you got to go hit up South Korea. I mean, any of these things could be true. But I, I, I do really love this. And Zizi Guri is immediately convinced. He's like, oh, well, I mean, if that's the case, sure, let's go. Uh, and so to get to South Korea, he he's not just going to hop on a plane, Dave. Zizi Guri doesn't fly commercial. No, he does not. He doesn't even fly coach. No. Uh, Dave, he flies first class. And by first class, I mean in the cockpit of RV Robo. Yeah, why Why they had to affix... Okay, we, we will find out why they had to affix it in a few minutes. Um, but it, it is a bit of a, a swerve. But it is attached, as you say, to his like abdomen area. It pops down. Uh, Zizi Giri and four Wumpers hop in 
RV Robo. And they're like, okay, well, it is time to leave this place and go to South Korea. No, they are not rampaging through Tokyo. They're literally just using RV Robo as a way to transport themselves to mainland Asia to get to South Korea for better kimchi. Yeah. Now, the, the, the Car Rangers are unwilling to allow them to do this. <laughs> they just don't want them to put that many miles on RV Robo. Listen, man, uh, you got to consider vehicle depreciation. It's a it's a real concern, especially if you have a have a thirteen story robot. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, so they call VRV Robo, and they're in they're, they're about to start fighting when Zizi Guri says, "Like, actually, hang on, my dudes. Um, so you know." Yeah, like, the the thing that is powering RV Robo, which is apparently different than the thing that always powers RV Robo, this this weird belt thing, um, not only did we attach it for one reason, but also it is made out of bombs. It's like a battery pack that's made out of bombs and also maybe is controlling RV Robo. So if you attack RV Robo, you're not going to be able to, like, kind of stop it. You're either going to have to let it go or blow it up. And I know you don't want to blow it up. So, oops, I, it is time for us to kill you. Yeah. So there's a great fight scene. And he's just like, they know how to do all of RV Robo's special moves. And they do them. Uh, they're just dropping like all of these moves. And like the Rangers are uh, like blocking and countering. But of course, they they can't hit back. At one point, they dodge like a giant laser beam, and it just blows up the office building that was behind them. Which, on one hand, like, sure, you don't want it to hit you. On the other hand, boy, I bet the people who work in that building wish it was still there. Yeah. (laughs) So, So, he jumps up. So, sorry. Red is sort of like watching all this happen. He's getting like more and more and more torqued up. And then finally, he's like, it'll, oh, sorry. He keeps saying, and this is from the VRV tape at like the very beginning, uh, it all depends on your awareness. And Red Racer keeps repeating this to himself, like as, as the episode is progressing. And he says it again. He's like, it all depends on my awareness as the leader. And he jumps up and he's like, everybody, calm down. And I don't remember if I just thought of it or if somebody else said it, but like, He's the only one that's not calm. No, I, I, somebody the, says that to him. Like, dude, we are calm. You need to chill, like, my dude. And he's like, I'll be right back. And he just leaves. And, and they're like, wait, where are you going? He's like, I am the leader. I believe that I can succeed. You must believe in me too. Goodbye. <laughs> and he just and jumps so he just out runs. of the robot. So he, this is amazing, because he he goes all the way back, I think, to Pegasus Motors, <laughs> yeah. gets Red Pegasus, or Peg- Pegasus Racer? Whatever, the convertible, like the flying mask convertible. Yeah. He gets the Pegasus mask convertible, flies it, <laughs> flies it back to the fight. Meanwhile, the other Rangers are like stuck because they're like, we can't pilot VRV Robo with only four of us. Right, this is a five person job. And so they're just getting uh, beat up. RV Robo is about to, like, cut them in half when, finally, 
Kyosuke reappears in just the nick of time. He, like, flies the car up, like, over next to the cockpit. Like, jumps in, like, a like a hatch somewhere in RV Robo. And just, like, pops in and starts beating the crap out of the Wumpers and Guri inside. Yeah, it's incredible. <sighs> he is just throwing the heaviest hands. Um, I, and you know I love a fight inside a Zord. It's, uh, it's, I mean, it's nice of you to say it's a fight. This is basically just Red Racer obliterating these fools. Uh, he eventually, like, he and Zizuguri sort of tussle out. They fall out of the cockpit and onto this, like, bomb tray, like, the ledge of this bomb belt thing. And then they just do this, like, sick solo fight on a ledge, like, hundreds of feet above the ground. Yeah, it's really, it's a really good fight. It's a cool, like, sword fight. At some point, um, Kyosuke is, like, being sort of kind of, he's on his back. And uh, Zizigiri is trying to, like, force him, like, over the edge. Like, he has, like, Zizigiri has his sword to Kyosuke's neck. And Kyosuke drops his sword and then manages to, like, pull his gun out of its holster and laser uh, ZZ Guri in the stomach to, like, get him off. Then hops up, spins around, and gets him. It's, like, a lot of very cool back-and-forth stuff. Yeah, uh, so he, he does eventually, like, he does, like, this flying kick sword thing, and he just, like, hurls ZZ Guri off this ledge. <laughs> So he falls from not the full height of uh, RV Robo, but like from his waist. Half of it, it falls from waist height. And then Kyosuke then takes his laser gun and like shoots the things that are holding this bomb battery pack onto RV Robo. And it just drops and lands on top of Zizigiri. Very and good. And then explodes. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, now of course, so I'm sorry, so he goes back and starts piloting RV Robo. I guess in the intervening 45 seconds, the Remangers, the Remangers, the remaining <laughs> Rangers have figured out how to pilot VRV Robo with just the four of them because they do that. Um, And they're like, all right, well... Like, great job, everybody. We won. And then, of course, Zizigiri is like, well, I'm going to eat this Emo Yokan now. I do feel a little badly about this because, A, I feel like he already got a great fight in and didn't need to have a giant fight in. And, B, the one thing we know about this dude is that he loves kimchi. And the only thing we get to see him eat in this whole episode is Emo Yokan. And you know that's got to be a disappointment for him. I think it is. Now, it does make me wonder why they don't eat the emo yokan, like, just to begin with. And I was wondering if it's sort of like a, uh, like a, like a kamikaze move. Like, I'm gonna, like, this will, this will kill me, but, like, I'll take you with me. But then I remember that, like, Grotch did this, like, three times and he's fine. So I mean, I think he didn't eat the emo yokan when he first came down. Because his plan was to come down here and get some kimchi. It was not to come down here and, like, destroy people. Good point. Good point, good point, good point. Um, so anyways, this is basically a non-fight. He they, they throw, like, two shots and then they just summon Victory Twister. Which, again, I love that it is not... Uh, it's just, it's not a sword. 
Like, it's just a very, very large gun. Yeah, and that's it for Suzuki And that's basically it for the episode. We see a little bit where um, Kyosuke realizes that, like, VRV Master knew that Kyosuke would respond in this way. And so that's why VRV Master left the message to, like, get him, like, weirdly amped up to being the leader. Because he knew, like, he knew that Kyosuke had to be the leader at some point. I mean, we're already halfway, more than halfway through this season. He's got to be a leader at some point. Yeah, I really dig it. But this is, this is perfect, right? This is the spot where, this is the spot where it happens. And it was, like, around this same time with Goro... Where, like, he really, really steps up and takes over as the leader. Like, it's in this, in this, like, court of, like, four, four episode zone where that happens. Um, and he does it. Like, he does it. He's the leader now. It's super rad. Yeah, it's very good. And then he says something about the sunlight, be- the sunset being too bright. And everyone looks at him weird. And then, weirdly, the last line that Kiyosuke says in this episode isn't translated into subtitles. So I don't know what he says. Yes, uh, yeah. It was a it was a weird thing. I was like, well, I hopefully that's not okay, important. No, okay. Anyway, Dave, that's the end of that episode, but it's not the end of our episode, and we, I think, actually have a few things to discuss here. Yeah. Well, okay. Do we want to talk about Instructor Richie Richie Hiker now or at the end? Because uh, normally what we do, if, if this is your first season with us, is in, in addition to ranking all the monsters, we do rank all of the villains, but they have, their, they have a separate list. I, I say we leave Instructor Richie Richie Hiker till the end. Okay, that's fine. Um, but we do need to talk about... Well, do we need to talk about Breaking? Uh, Breaking's already on the list. Okay, oh yeah, that's right, that's right. Well, then I think it's... Uh, it's ZZ Geary. Uh, breaking and also Rebuilt Breaking are number 115 on our list. Our list, of course, is 171 items long. Uh, top of the list is Jin the Demon Fist. Bottom of the list sucks. Uh, yeah. So, where do you think ZZ Geary goes? My, um, okay, my immediate real- reference point, I think, is going to be... Um, Pachinko Master at number 78. Okay. Because Pachinko Master was another dude who, like, did end up fighting at some point, but genuinely was just interested in Pachinko. And ZZ Giri does end up fighting, but really, he's the Bozoke's number one um, kimchi lover. Like, that's what he's here for. And I do like that about him a lot. Okay, I can dig that. Now, that's above a lot of good people. I don't know if he has to be at number 78 exactly. Because I think that Pachinko Master had another couple of cool things going on with him. Yeah, I feel like ZZ Guri could have had a lot going on. Um, he's sort of a plot device. Like, they, they don't really explore the idea that he loves kimchi. We never even see him eat kimchi. Which, again, is heartbreaking. What about, okay, so at 105 is Dorotabo the TV lover, and at 106 is Tofu Hermit, also both defined by their love of, you know, like something from Earth. Okay, so the TV lover at number 105, his whole thing was very TV-centric, right? Like he, like his whole episode was... 
him like dressing up as TV characters, right? Yes. Um, it didn't. Wasn't he the one who ended up like fighting a dude inside an electric electrified uh, cage made out of barbed wire? Oh yeah, he may have. Okay, been. yeah. That so that's been probably him. better than ZZ Gary. Um, the tofu monk. He's a no tofu monk rules. Tofu monk rules. Yeah, tofu monk. Although his love of tofu, like his love of alcohol, was more important than his love of tofu in the course of that episode. But it's a very good episode. Okay, so I'm sort of I'm I'm scrolling down and I'm seeing some more stuff. And, like, there's a lot of, of these monsters that are very, very cool. Like, H.H. Washoishoi, the festival, like, the crazy festival monster, he's at 139. And then under that, there's, like, Barra Tarantula and Man of Jars and Sergeant Cannon. I think, I, I, I think, I think he's better than Sergeant Cannon. Sergeant Cannon was sort of a wasted opportunity. Um, Man of Jars is fine. Barra Tarantula. Remind me, Dave, is Barra Tarantula like that guy, like the big spider guy who fought them in like a dark basement and it was like a weird creepy? No, 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 no. That dude is way higher. I was gonna on the say list. if that's that is no, that was a Conquer Ranger monster. Barra Tarantula is like a weird robot tarantula. Okay. Okay, I think he's better than Barra Tarantula. I I don't think he's cooler than Barra Builder or HH with Shoi Shoi. Okay, so do you want to put him at the new number 141 above camera dimension? I think I do. Right on. I think I can get along with that. And then Instructor Richie Richie Hiker, we will revisit him. Uh, in yeah, another, what, like 20 episodes or something? 15 episodes? Uh, yeah, actually, coming up, coming up here. Right on. Well, that being the case, Dave, I believe that that is going to do it for another episode of License to Car Ranger. Uh, before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you that you can email the show at supersentaibrothers at gmail.com, especially if you know what Kyosuke said in that last few seconds of this episode. Oh yeah, that would be super cool. Or you can let us know on Twitter if you can get a hold of us there at supersentaibros. That's also where you can check us out to uh, get updates on new episodes or see the things that we're talking about there. Dave, uh, if people are still interested in getting in on the uh, playtest of your uh, tabletop role-playing game, Go Sentai Heroes, how do they do that? Uh, yeah, you can just email me at gosentaiheroes at gmail.com. Uh, all one word and no punctuation in there because I won't let you, and I will get you on the list and get the rules out to you. Right on. Uh, if you like the show, please remember that Shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Rate, review, subscribe on there. That's what helps other people find the show. Or just tell a friend. Or tell a foe. Or tell a stranger. That'd be like a fun way to strike up a conversation with a stranger. Right? Anyway, the Super <laughs> Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to any of the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do it all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.